that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America. In Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord some praise today. Yeah. Well, we're going to take a few minutes here to go around and do a little meet and greet time. So go find somebody, give them a high five, fist bump, handshake, or a hug. Make sure everybody gets some love today. Amen. Let's go.
excited this morning, amen. Well, we are excited. It is going to be a wonderful, wonderful Sunday. You picked a great day to be in the house of the Lord here in the word of God and fellowshipping and worshiping, amen. Well, we'll go ahead and get into some announcements here. We've got a lot going on, um, but here in a few of Miss Desiree give you uh, some Harvest Fest information and updates. I heard there was a yard sale yesterday. Did anybody go to the yard sale? Yeah? All right. Very good. Well, they did really well. So in a few minutes, I'll have her give you an update on that and let you know how close we're getting to meeting all of our Harvest Fest goals. Uh, but it's really exciting. One of my favorite announcements to make is we have a brand new baby with us this morning, Jesse and Cheyenne back there. They have little Jaden with us for the first time. So we'll get him a first timer packet and a gift card to Dutch Brothers. Amen. Isn't that great? Babies love coffee. I didn't know that until I had some. Turns out babies love coffee. So anyway, it's going to be uh, awesome to have this little guy with us now. And uh, we got a few more new babies, too, that haven't been able to make it into service yet. But uh, we just we love that. One of our favorite things to celebrate right there. All right. Let's give you an update on HDWC Midtown Chapel. Uh, is anybody excited about uh, the Midtown Chapel location? So... Uh, we updated you on Wednesday night, but uh, we don't have the very final green light to start our service yet. And so we're waiting on that still from uh, some of the leaders down the hill. Uh, so we may be a couple weeks out. I don't know exactly how long, uh, but uh, we're ready to go. And as soon as we get the thumbs up, we'll be starting a 9 a.m. service over there uh, here and uh, very soon. You know, I can't say exactly when because I don't know, but uh, just know this much. We are ready to go and launch as as soon as they give us the, the green light. So anyway, we'll keep you in the loop on that. And I know everybody's really excited about that. All right. Uh, we today at four o'clock, we are starting our intentional parenting class. Is anyone excited for this? Amen. And so class starts from four, it'll go till five thirty, uh, starting uh, this afternoon right here in the main building. So if you signed up, um, go ahead and make sure you're here. And if you haven't had a chance to pay yet, hey, you know, let's just get you here tonight, okay? And um, we'll work that out. But um, also, if you're interested in the class and you're like, well, I want to see what it's about, go ahead and come on out tonight to class and at least take a look at the first one. And uh, and and the reason that we're so serious about this is who knows that parenting is a little bit of of a, of a you know a challenge sometimes uh, it's not always as easy as they make it look on Hallmark and stuff like that so uh, our goal is to equip you and help you get a game plan uh, for your parenting and that's why it's called intentional parenting so that'll be starting today at four o'clock and there is child care we got child care covered so uh, come on out and and be there for that and uh, anyway it's gonna be absolutely great all right is there any men in the his house this morning all right I thought okay I thought so so uh, hey check it out men's meeting is this Saturday at 9 a.m. amen and so we're gonna be having breakfast Bibles and bros, 9 a.m. in Victory Hall. Make sure you're out there for that. And it's what a, it's a very important as men that we get together. The Bible says that iron sharpens iron and you need to be surrounded by good, godly influences. And, uh, and you also need to have a good solid breakfast. They say it's the most important meal of the day. So make sure you're there Saturday, 9 a.m. And, uh, also coming up, uh, and next Saturday is the Start It In Me worship 
ship night, everybody. And, uh, and so this is exciting. We do have permission to host this at HDWC Midtown Chapel. So this will be the first event of any kind that we have over there. So this coming Saturday, the 7th at 6 p.m., I want to see everybody over there worshiping Jesus. And it's not just us. All the different churches in town that want to uh, get together are going to be there. And uh, Pastor Josh and some of the other worship leaders are going to be worshiping and uh, leading worship that night. So 6 p.m. This coming Saturday, Midtown Chapel, who's going to be there worshiping Jesus with us. Amen. All right. Do not miss out. Well, I'm going to have Miss Desiree uh, fill us in on all of the Harvest Fest information because I determined that it's just too much for me to memorize and memorize a sermon at the same time. So, Desiree, tell us what's going on. Good morning. Morning. There I am. Um, there is a lot going on with Harvest Fest, but I want to say thank you to everybody who made donations for the yard sale. We had lots and lots and lots of stuff. Um, anybody that came out and hung out with us, we had lots of fun, lots of laughs. Um, we got blessed with food, so we were fed. So it was just a really good time. And I went in believing the Lord for that we were going to make um, $1,500. And then the rain came. And we were a little bit short when we got rained on. And I'm like, well, Lord, I was really believing you for this amount. And so we made $1,500. Praise the Lord. It's exciting because people like to shop in the rain. Like they weren't even bothered. We were bothered by the rain. But they weren't bothered by the rain. And they kept coming in. And so towards the end, we had so much stuff. So we, we started saying, you know, we'll do a $5 box, $5 bag, whatever. Just get what you need. Um, but it was really nice just to see families get blessed with things that they needed. Um, to see people that really needed clothing. And we were able to give them clothing for a really cheap deal. And we always say that God blesses us because we're not greedy. We're not sitting there putting our prices up so that we can make money. We also want to bless the community so that we know that's why the Lord blessed us with that. So where we're at right now with our budget is we are about $5,000. So our budget was 6000 So we're almost there. Praise the Lord. And if any of you guys don't know what Harvest Fest is, it's just a fun time for families to come together on our property and we give them Jesus any way that we can. And the most um, biggest thing that we offer is candy bags to each kid, right? So we have candy competition going on. Um, I'm sorry, Pastor Katie, I was just unloading the candy and it looks like the children's is in the lead right now. Um, I will plead because she's my boss now, so I got to be on her side. Um, but I will plead for her since she can't plead. The youth kids have never won. So do I have any youth kids in the building? Jesus loves the youth kids too, guys, okay? So, yes. Okay, so I, I just wanted it to be told. I, you know, I want, I want real news going out there. When I was youth pastor, we did win one year. It was 2014. What, uh, yeah. Okay, we're, we're one in 15 if you're really keeping track of our record, but I'm just letting that be known. We did win once, and so it's, I guess I gotta be, uh, you know, neutral in this, but, you know, help, help the teens out. They're, they're, they need it, okay? Amen. 
Pastor Katie really wants to win, guys, okay? Give her a win. Um, but the candy competition is really about we need to fill a thousand candy bags. And we just want to bless the kids. We want to make sure we're giving them a good amount of candy, telling them that Jesus loves them. And each candy bag is a little, um, like, it, it tells the kids how to find Jesus and how to say the salva- salvation prayer and who Jesus is. So even in the candy bags, we're giving the word. Um, but we need all the candy we can possibly get because a thousand candy bags is a lot of bags. So please help us out. Pick a side. Um, pick children's or youth and bring that out. Pick youth. Sorry, my boss is yelling at me from down there. Um, but bring that candy in because we really need that. We really need that. Um, and then there is also a change war going on between the children's and the youth group as well. So if you have change, bring that change in. That will help us bring down that $1,000 that we still need to make for our budget. So help us out with that. And we need your help, guys. The night of um, Harvest Fest, we can't do it alone. We need workers. We need people who love Jesus to give these families Jesus. And so what we ask for are for you to choose a shift. There's two shifts. We do a, a first shift and a second shift, right? So the first shift of people is going to come about 4 p.m. that night and help us set up, make sure the games are ready, make sure all that's ready to go. And then you work your game. And then in the middle, we do a shift change. So then now you can go be with your family and enjoy family time. And then the new shift comes in and takes over. And they're going to help us clean up, tear down, make sure that everything goes back where it's supposed to be. But if we don't have workers, guess what we have to start doing? We have to take games away, right? So then there's not very much for the families to do because... We don't have the workers. So recruit your friends. They can come help too. Recruit other people that you know. We will have a class um, that will talk all about that. And you'll sign a thing promising that you're going to be like Jesus that night. And you're going to represent HGWC very well. Um, But we need help is what I'm trying to say. So we just handed out a sign-up sheet. So on that sign-up sheet, you're going to say if you're willing to work first shift or second shift. Um, and then that night that we come in, we'll tell you where we have you working. And you can tell us if you like that and if that's where you want to be. Okay? Um, we are selling Who Likes Food? We were going to do an ice cream sale, but as all of us were really cold yesterday sitting outside, we decided we were going to do nachos instead. So um, we're selling nachos tonight, um, or today, sorry, this morning after service. Um, and it's going to be... A dollar, I believe. Where's Renee? I think she said, she told me they were going to be a dollar. Um, so yes. And chili cheese nachos are going to be two dollars. So if you just want your nachos with cheese and some jalapenos, it's one dollar. You want some chili, it's going to be two dollars. Okay. Um, there is a wonderful booth back there in the back. And I should say, I forgot to talk about our candle sale. So, um, April's amazing and she has the hookup everywhere. She's the quietest person ever. Um, but she's also the smartest woman I've ever met because she knows everybody and knows how to do things. Um, so she has a friend who makes candles and she's, her friend is willing to do a fundraiser with us and we make $8 per candle. But it also has a very fallish, um, theme on it with our logo. So every time you light the candle, you think of this place, right? And you get a beautiful smell. So if you want to buy a candle, there's sign-up sheets um, back there at the Harvest Fest booth. And it's $25 a candle, but we make $8 for every candle that we sell. Okay? And I think
think I covered it all. All right. Very good. Very good. So we are excited and we are in full uh, swing for Harvest Fest. We'll be keeping you updated on everything over the next few weeks, but we're only a few weeks out. So as the sign-up sheet's going around, you know, all hands on deck. Let's get everybody that is, you know, able uh, to, to lend a hand with this. And we're going to reach several thousand people with the love of Jesus. That's what it's all about. Amen. All right. Well, uh, we're getting ready to our Sunday morning tithes and offerings, but we wanted to welcome you this morning. If you are with us today for the first time or maybe the first time in a long time, we want to welcome you. We have a gift for you and some information about the church. If you could slip your hand up real quick and uh, we'll make sure that you get a welcome packet. Brian Lynn and Heather are passing those out. So let's make them feel welcome this morning, everybody. Amen. There is an info card in there, and if you will fill that info card out and turn it in back there by the info booth at the end of the service, they have a gift for you and uh, and just some information to welcome you to the church. Amen? All right, let's go. Hallelujah. Thank you. Glory to God. Amen. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. Let me look around. Uh-oh, I see some sad... It said, we'll be sad in it, be glad in it. Amen. Amen. As we prepare to receive tithes and offerings, I want to ask, how many here have been getting our devotionals? We got these back on the uh, information booth back there, plus they're online. And uh, I personally wrote all these, not out of somebody's book, but out of my 40-some years of ministry. And I read these every day. I'm really amazed at what I read because it was under inspiration of the Holy Ghost. And they're really good. This morning's devotional, if you didn't look at it, is about encouraging yourselves in the Lord. As I read, as I read that devotion again from 1 Samuel chapter 30, King David wrote that in the midst of a really, really bad, horrible time of life. Everybody around him, his friends, his team turned on him and wanted to kill him. There was nobody turned to but God. So it says he encouraged himself in the Lord. So I'm just encouraging you to get these devotionals and the, the best cheerleader in your camp could be you. When things aren't looking good, and by the time you start praising the Lord and just encouraging yourself, reminding yourself of the victories you've had in the past, you'll start coming out of it. And then you'll be ready to go help somebody else. Anyway, make sure you get those devotionals. It'll be good for you. Now, this morning, uh, have you got your envelopes yet? Hold your hands up in an envelope. But I want you to look at Isaiah chapter 48, verse 17. Isaiah 48, verse 17. And uh, I started a series on Sunday nights last week. We have Sunday night service. On Sunday nights, about finding God's financial plan for your life. How many ever thought that God actually cares about your money? Amen. God wants you to have a good life, a financially successful, thriving life. And the Holy Spirit, through the Word of God, is the one that can show you what it is, how to live that life. And so last week on Sunday night, we taught how to find the plan. It was really an extensive lesson, short but good for the Word of God, how you can find the plan. How could you ever find the plan if you didn't know the plan? How could you follow it? And the Lord had me equate that to building a house. If you've ever built a house or had somebody build one for you or knew somebody that built one, nobody just throws a bunch of stuff on the ground, hammer, nails, shingles, Plumbing says, I'm going to build a house. They've got a plan written out already. 
somebody that knows how to build houses has helped them get a blueprint together, get drawings together. Then they follow the plan to have a house and they got to be built right to withstand storms. And in California, withstand earthquakes. You got to build the right kind of stuff with a plan. So we taught you last week from the Word of God how to find out from Him what is planning for your life. And then this week, we're going to tonight look at the steps of the plan because once you get the plan, if you don't start activating the plan and doing something, you still don't have a house. So this week, Sunday night tonight, we're going to start looking at the steps of action and it is powerful. I, I, I can't wait to teach this tonight. So anyway, the ones that aren't in the class uh, tonight for families that come tonight and learn this. And at the same time, if you're not here tonight, watch it online, get a hold of it. Because the times we live in, it's not the time just to live in confusion, going around saying, I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know what we're going to do. God knows what to do. But you got to listen to him. And Isaiah 48, 17 kind of alludes to that says thus saith the lord thy redeemer the holy one of israel now look at this i am the lord thy god which teacheth thee to profit he teaches you to profit the world will teach you how to go broke and if you haven't noticed if you haven't noticed Whatever the country gets in a bad economic slowdown, recession, whatever you want to call it, all of a sudden the charge card adds quadruple. Everybody wants you to borrow money so they can own you. They want you to borrow money so you'll never get out of debt. I just paid cash for an almost new car, and I remember when I was younger, nobody made card payments hardly. We always, always, always pay for our cars. Now they don't tell you the bottom line what a car costs. They say for the next six years, you can pay this every month. I don't want to pay that for the next six years. You know, you know what kind of car I got? It's called a paid for. My car is called a paid for. Nobody can tell me that if I don't give them $500 this month, they're going to come and take my car. It's not my car. It's not your car. It's my car. Who's on the title? It's me. And so it says, the Lord your God, he taught me to profit. He'll teach you to profit. And let me, let me, let me tell you something about the teaching part. Ephesians chapter four says that God put teachers in the church to teach you how to win. Jeremiah chapter three says God put pastors in the church to teach you how to win. And so if you want to learn how to win, you need to have a pastor and a God called teacher. They'll teach you how to understand the Bible, what to do. And so it says, teach you to profit. And that word profit says a valuable return to gain. The excess of returns over expenditures in a transaction or series of transactions. Transaction or series of transactions. In other words, teaches you how to spend less than you take in. You got more coming in than you do going out, and you're going to start to profit. And just a little side note, do you think that God, when he said Jesus to the world, made a mistake by sending Jesus to the Jewish people? Even in today's times, a lot of times you think about wealthy people, you think about Jewish people. You think that was an accident? God called that his first covenant he made with man was to the Jewish people. And now as born-again Christians, the Word of God teaches us that spiritually, we're Jewish. We're Hebrews of the Spirit. No matter what we look like on the outside, Jesus is the one that came to bring a covenant. 
And the new covenant is better than the old covenant. So whatever they had, we've got better through Jesus. Amen. So anyway, I just really encourage you, if you can't come tonight to these series we teach on Sunday night, start watching on the internet and get out of broke and start getting into profit. Amen. Amen. All right. Let's stand up. Make our financial faith confessions and then bring our tithes and offerings up to the altar. And I want to always encourage you, even if you give online, you tithe online, or you do it online, God knows he's already received it. Come up here anyway when the people come up and then stay up here and worship with us. There's just something special about the altar. That's a place of consecration and sacrifice. It's a holy place. And it's not because it's different than any place in the church, but God in the Bible ordained the altar. And we need to come up and worship. Amen. And so as we make this confession, they come up here with us and worship with us up here. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth in business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, meet all my financial needs, so I have more than enough to take good care of my family, give ministry in the kingdom of God, and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.
Oh 
greatest your name it is the greatest your name it stands above them all all thrones all thrones and dominions all powers and positions your name it stands above them all let's raise our voices and sing that again your name is the highest your name is the greatest your name stands above them all all thrones and dominions all powers and positions your name stands above them all and the angels cry Jesus, uh, we call upon your name. You said that anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And Lord, we know that there may be a lot of different things that we need saved from right now. Lord, we know that you paid the price for uh, for our sins and we get to go to heaven. But Lord, we also know that it wasn't just that, Lord, that you paid the price and you made a way for us in every single 
situation that we could ever face. And so we boldly proclaim your name today. We boldly proclaim the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Lord. We are not ashamed of the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I wish that we really, really had a deeper grasp of the power that's in the name of Jesus. And I know we've scratched the surface of it, but I'm telling you today, not a person here, uh, me or anybody really, really fully gets the power and magnitude of the name of Jesus. But I can tell you this much. I want to know more. I, I want to call on that name more. I want to use that name more. Amen. And so hallelujah. I'm, I'm encouraging you today to not be afraid to use the name of Jesus. And in any situation, any devil that shows up in your life, man, you use the name of Jesus. Be well acquainted with it. I'll tell you that right now. Be well acquainted with the name of Jesus and and, and believe in the power of the name of Jesus and watch what can happen in your life. Can we just say his name together today? Say this with me. One, two, three, say Jesus. Jesus. Hallelujah. Now say it like you mean it because that was a cute warm up. One, two, three. Jesus. Amen. Let's give him some praise today. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We lift your name on high today. And Lord, we ask that you would have your way in this service today. Speak to us, Lord. Give us the truth because we know the truth will make us free. We love you and we praise you today in Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. Can we give him one more shout of praise today? Amen. He is good and his mercy endures forever and ever and ever. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, we'll go ahead and hit those lights there. Praise God. Amen. Who's glad to be in the house of the Lord today? Tell you what, it's like my dad always says, I'd rather be here than the best hospital in all of Southern California. Amen. I'd rather be here than the best prison in all of America uh, because this is a good place to be in the house of the Lord with the people of God. Amen. Well, we're going to be continuing today in our Sunday morning series. If you need an outline to follow along with, raise your hand and the ushers will get one to you there and uh, you can follow along with us. We're talking about a very important man in the Bible named Joshua. Has anyone heard of Joshua? Who in here just loves Joshua? Well, you should. I mean, he's awesome. And so the title of this series is Son of None. And uh, the reason for that is in Joshua chapter one, it tells us that Joshua, the son of none, that was his father's name, was the man that uh, was risen up to replace Moses. And we'll give a quick recap before we get in uh, to, to this week's teaching. But Joshua had a very interesting life. And sometimes you see somebody that's successful or you see somebody that is a leader and you're like, uh, he's only got that position because he's lucky. He only got promoted because of who his dad is. He only got promoted. Listen, he didn't get promoted because of who his dad was. His dad's name was none. And you don't get promotions based on your dad's name if your dad's name is none. Someone should say amen. 
I don't know. I just, it sounded good when it up here, then it came out and it didn't sound so good. But, but Joshua, he didn't get to where he was, uh, because of who he was born to. Joshua was born into slavery in Egypt and he endured some hard, hard times. Uh, he ended up becoming Moses assistant. We, as we know, after they were delivered from Egypt and he was right by Moses side. He held Moses arms in the midst of battle. He was a valiant warrior. You gotta know Joshua was not a sissy man. Joshua was a warrior. He was a fighter. And you'll see later on, uh, before they attack Jericho, the angel of the Lord's army shows up and Joshua's like, are you a friend or foe? Cause we could fight right now. And he's like, I was sent by God. And Joshua bows down and says, my, my bad. I didn't know uh, wh- whatever the Lord has to say, but he was getting ready to fight the head of the Lord's army because he was a warrior. And so Joshua was not only a military hero, he possessed a level 10 leadership capacity. And there's not a lot of people that are at this level. But I love to study the life of Joshua because Joshua, all of the the leadership capacity he had, all of the great uh, military conquest he had, all of the success he had, it's laid out right there for you in his book. And so you may be here today and you're like, well, I'm not a military hero. I'm not a, you know, I'm not a a level 10 leader. I don't, I just, I don't lead anybody but my family. Well, then you're a leader. Amen. You are leading somebody. And so this applies to your life right now. And a great big way it applies. And not everybody here knows this. I, I get that. But my goal is for you to know this that there is a promised land for you in your lifetime. Do you know that much? And some people are like, yeah, there's a promised land when we all get to heaven. What a day of rejoicing that'll be in the sweet by and by. But I live in the nasty now and now. And so my life just stinks. Get over that attitude. Listen, your life doesn't have to be nasty. Your life doesn't have to stink. When Jesus was praying, he said, thy thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God's will is not for your life to stink down here in Barstow for the next 50 years until you get to pass on to the other side. We all know, yes, heaven will undeniably be better than anything you could ever have in this world. We know that. But we also know that life doesn't have to be miserable down here until you get over there. There's a promised land beyond. We know that. But there is a promised land. There is a place of peace and rest and prosperity and healing for you here on planet Earth before you get there. And what we're looking at is how we can experience the will of God in this life as well. Who knows that God wants you to have a blessed home life? Amen. Who knows that God wants you to be blessed at work? You don't have to hate your job. Amen. Who knows God wants you to be blessed at church? You don't have to hate your church or your pastor. Wait, hold on. I don't know. 
Hey, all right. Hey, decides. Amen. And so listen, no, God's will is for you to have a blessed life here. And then when we get to heaven, oh my goodness, that'll be beyond anything we can comprehend down here. And it's going to be absolutely incredible. But Joshua, he has quite the task on his hands. He takes over for Moses. Now, earlier in scripture, uh, Moses does get them right there to the border of Canaan land and the promised land. But we know that due to their nasty, stank attitudes and their doubt and their fear, God said, no, turn back around. You're not getting in until every one of the fearful, negative people that doubted my promise dies off. And then the next generation gets to go in. Well, here we are in the book of Joshua, and this is the next generation. All those guys that said we could never get in, they've died. This is their children now. And Joshua has the task of leading them in to complete what their fathers and mothers couldn't complete. And even more than that, to get them across that line that Moses wasn't allowed to get them across. Can you imagine the weight on the shoulders of this man taking over for Moses and saying, all right, now you get him across over 3 million people. And sometimes we feel the weight on our shoulders. You know, you've got a family of three, four, five, six, seven, and you feel that weight. And that's a real weight. I get that. I do. But Moses, excuse me, Joshua didn't just have uh, the weight of five, six, seven, 300. He had the weight of 3 million people and 40 years worth of regrets and burdens to cross over this line. Who would like to have Joshua's job? And he could, I, I, I don't know, man. It was a big deal. But Joshua was the right man for the job because Joshua was a man of faith. Do we have any men and women of faith in Barstow in 2023 today? Amen. And so we have learned this much already that there is a promised land for everybody. And God will get you right there. He'll even stop the Jordan River so you can walk across on dry ground. But you got to know that just because you get right there, sometimes there's still some giants that got to die. There's still some enemies that you've got to take down so you can possess the land. And that's where we're at right here in the book of Joshua. So today we're going to look at two major lessons Joshua learned before entering the promised land. Do you have time for two lessons? lessons today, everybody. Amen. All right. We're going to pray that we're going to get into the word of God right here. We'll be starting off in Joshua chapter two. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, for your holy written word. And we thank you for the men of God like Joshua that, 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 that they, they paved the way, Lord. They, they endured some things. They fought some battles. And now we have the benefit of learning from their lessons. And so I pray that we will have open hearts to your word today and open ears to receive it. And I just say in Jesus' name that our lives are changing for the better today. We'll never be the same after after today in Jesus name. Can someone say amen? amen? All right. Two lessons from Joshua today. Number one is this, and you got to know this. He found it out. You have to learn from the past, learn from the past. 
Now, I know every single one of us in here has had moments that we regret. I have made some decisions that I regret. Amen. I mean, in the early 2000s, I went bleach blonde and there's still pictures of it. It's crazy. It was like totally why I regret that. It was awful. But, you know, there's things that we look back on and we're like, what was I thinking? It's okay. As long as you learn from it. Uh, But everybody in here has made some sort of mistake or another. Now, I don't usually just ask for a show of hands, but show of hands, you've made at least one mistake back in the day. And uh, here's the next question. Did you learn from that mistake or did you keep her? Okay. All right. Well, I heard it. I heard a story this week about a professional carpet layer that was really, really good. He was like the top guy at his job. And one day he completed a job. He kind of stepped back to admire his flawless work. And while surveying the carpet that he just installed, he reached his shirt pocket for a cigarette and realized that his package of cigarettes was missing. And at that exact same time, as he was looking across the room, he just did, uh, he noticed a lump under the carpet in the middle of the room, about the size of the missing package of cigarettes. And so he was like, you kidding me? I've made it all this time. And now this. And so he was mad at himself with his carelessness. And, and so he knew he, he was in a bind here and he had to fix it. There was no way to get this out of there without just ripping it all out and starting over from scratch. And so uh, he decided, well, I'm just going to beat it flat. <laughs> I'll just take whatever I can. I'm going to just smooth it out and pretend like this never happened. And so he destroyed the evidence. He beat it flat and it looked like nothing had ever occurred there. So, you know, he finishes, he goes out to the van to leave and to his horror, he sees on the seat right there, the missing package of cigarettes. And so at that time, the homeowner comes out and is like, Hey, have you seen my son's gerbil? Uh, we, we can't find it anywhere. <laughs> Okay, I didn't expect that reaction. I thought you'd laugh. <laughs> I don't know if it's a true story or not, but but the <laughs> the point of the story, the moral of the story is this. There's a few ways that we can handle mistakes. One is we can try to hide them and just cover them up and say, no, that never even happened. Shh, I don't know what you're talking about. Let's forget that ever happened. And I think we've probably all at one point or another just tried to hide them. Um, here's another fun way to handle your mistakes. Repeat them over and over again and expect a different result each time. Anyone? That's a good one, yeah? You know, you, 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 you date one loser, and then you find another guy that was just like that, or another girl that was just like that. Well, maybe this one will be different. I know that every guy that I find in the bar is always a loser, but I'll try again this time. How about you try finding one at church? I'm seeing laughter, <laughs> but I'm just saying, listen, if every dude, if every lady that you meet over there turns out to be no good, why would you keep going back there and expecting that this time will be different? You know, there's an old saying that the definition of an idiot is someone that keeps trying the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. You keep walking directly into the wall and hitting your head. Well, maybe this time I'll just walk right through. I don't know. I'll just just keep trying it. And it doesn't work. And so how do we handle mistakes? Well, we can just try to cover them and, and, and imagine it never happened. Or we could just keep repeating them over and over again. Or 
we can learn from them and not repeat them. Who thinks that sounds like a pretty wise way of handling uh, our mistakes? And so this is on your outline there, but leaders learn from their own mistakes and the mistakes of others. Leaders learn from their own mistakes and from the mistakes of others. And so I try, man, I make mistakes. I do dumb things. And you know, it's okay to make mistakes. It's just not okay to keep repeating the exact same one. Uh, that, that's not good. If, if I'm hiring somebody for a job and they make a mistake, I'm like, hey, it's okay. Don't worry about it. If you keep, you know, doing the exact same thing every single day, we're going to have to say, I'm going to have to let you go. I, you know, you, you got to learn from this. And that's not harsh. That's just called reality. And so with our mistakes, we need to learn from them. But I've also found out, I can learn from others' mistakes and make sure that I don't do the same thing that burned other people. And as we're studying the life of Joshua and seeing what made him such a warrior and a hero and an effective leader, we're at the point of Israel being right back at the border of Canaan once again. And so, as we said earlier, Moses had the people to this exact same place one time, 40 years earlier, but he ended up uh, doing something that didn't work out. That's how I'll, I'll say that. So let's look at Joshua chapter two, Joshua chapter two. Amen. The kids are having fun. We've got a lot of kids at this church. Joshua chapter two, and we're going to open up here. Uh, I'm going to look at verse one right here. So something very interesting. Who knows how many spies Moses sent in to spy out the land in numbers 13? Anybody? 12, right? He sent out 12 spies and, uh, and he sent one from each of the 12 tribes of Israel and God did tell him to do that. Okay. And so it's not that he made a bad choice. He did what God said. And in theory, that sounds really good and really fair that one representative from each of the 12 tribes could go in, spy out the land and see what it was like. Now, here's the thing. We know this, that Moses sends in 12. How many came back and said, it's beautiful, but we will never get in because there's giants there. How many came back and said, we'll never get in? 10 came back and said, we will never get in. Two came back and said, it's awesome. And we're going to get in and we're going to overtake this place. It's going to be great. Those two guys were Joshua and Caleb. And so out of 12 spies, all 12 agreed it's incredible. It's the most wonderful thing we've ever seen, but only two said we'll ever actually get in. All right. And so as I was studying this out this week, uh, we see again that there were some lessons learned from the very first time they made it to the border of the promised land. Moses sent 12 guys but evidently he sent the 10 of them were the wrong guy. Do you see what I'm saying here? Now, look at this, Joshua chapter two and verse one. Then Joshua secretly sent out two spies from the Israelite camp at Acacia Grove. He instructed them, scout out the land on the other side of the Jordan River, especially around Jericho. So the two men set out and came to the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there that night. So let's examine this. Why do you think that Joshua sent 
two guys. Was that just a coincidental number? I believe this was a very intentional number because he found out the first time around, if you send the two right guys, the two guys that have faith, two is a lot better than 12 in some instances when it's the two right guys. And so I believe that Joshua found the Joshua and Caleb of this next generation and said, you two are going in and spying out the land and you're going to give us a report. And so Joshua picked the right two this time around. And so imagine this. And I feel, I feel for Joshua in this. Imagine that you have to wander 40 years in the desert and pay the price for somebody else's mistakes. Imagine that. I mean, I get mad when I've got to wait like four extra minutes in the drive-thru because someone else fumbled the order in front of me. I'm like, people just can't get it right. I can't believe this. My life's coming to an end. And, and, and that's, you know, but 40 years of wandering in the desert and you did things right. It wasn't your fault at all. Imagine that. And so, 40 years kind of gives you some time to think things over, doesn't it? And so all this time, I'll bet that Joshua was uh, going over some of the things and some of the lessons that had been learned throughout the first time that they made it to the edge of the promised land. And unless God specifically said to, there was no way he was sending in 12 guys again, unless God absolutely said it, there's no way. And we always hear this phrase that, well, there's strength in numbers. And that can be very true, but sometimes there's weakness in numbers. If you've got the wrong people, if you've got the wrong people, there's a weakness in some numbers. And we'll study that deeper in a minute. But another brilliant move that I find that that these guys made the second time around is they went in and they found an ally right off the bat. Amen. They found somebody the first time through these, these guys go into the, to spy out the land and, and you know, they're bumbling around and, and you know, just really not seemingly making any progress for the whole time they're there. This time when these two guys go in, they find a brilliant ally and it just so happens to be a prostitute. And the Bible is a very interesting book when you begin to really read it. Amen. Anyone notice that you read some stuff and you're like, Wow, that's in there? Yeah, there's some really, really cool stories in here. But as you think about it, this was a brilliant ally to have. Who knows that, that, well, I think there's a couple of good reasons that God had them choose Rahab. I believe, for one, that this gave her and her household a brilliant chance, an opportunity for redemption. I, I believe that God was giving this young lady, uh, I mean, she the, the perfect opportunity to redeem herself and her family by doing things for God now. And also, she was great for this job because she had to be a tough lady. And I'm not even trying to be funny. She was a tough lady. And, you know, the community was used to seeing, you know, all these, you know, strange fellows coming in and out all hours of the day and night. Like, this was just set up. And, and and you think I'm funny, but I'm not. This was actually strategically a very smart 
decision to get this ally down. And so what happens is this, is that she obeys God. And I love this about Rahab, that she had, you know, a shady past, but her future was redeemed and she had an incredible future. Her and her family were the only ones to survive the, the, the crumbling of the city of Jericho, just them. And another fun fact about Rahab, if you look in Hebrews chapter 11, this is a very important chapter of all the Bible. It lists what we call the faith hall of fame. This is a very elite group of people that made it to the hall of fame in the Bible. Rahab is one of a very short list of names in the hall of fame in Hebrews 11. And there's a lot of other names that you would think would be on there. Rahab's name is on that list. What an incredible, incredible woman. And it's because she obeyed what the Lord was saying to do. And she walked away from her past and God used her in a really good way. And so we're talking about learning from past mistakes. Joshua had invested 40 years into this already. And, and, and he was put in positions that he never deserved to be in, but he didn't grow bitter. He grew better and he received a 40 year education, man. Think about the PhD level of leadership that Joshua had in this. I heard a story about Tom Watson senior. He's the man who founded IBM, uh, the very, you know, cutting edge at one point in time, leading computer company in the world. My brother works for them. But anyway, uh, you can imagine that, uh, that this was a guy back in the day that was one of the top guys. And so you can you can just picture the investments and 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 the uh, experiences. I mean, this guy was brilliant in the world of technology back in the day. Well, I was reading this story about one time. I mean, 50, 60 years ago, when a million dollars was still a million dollars. How how one of his top junior executives uh, spent 12 million dollars of the company's money on a project that totally bombed and failed. They, they, they lost $12 million like 60 years ago. And this is a massive amount of money. And so come Monday morning, this executive comes in, slaps down his resignation letter on Tom Watson senior's desk and says, I'm sure you want my resignation. And, and, and here it is. And, and Watson's like, your resignation? Excuse me? I just invested $12 million educating you. Go back to your office and get to work. And somebody else would be like, what a waste. Well, you can look at it that way or you could say, this guy just learned $12 million worth of lessons on the wrong way to do it. And in our life, we can look at some of our mistakes. I spent 10 years on the wrong relationship. I spent 10 years on the wrong job. I spent all these years doing the wrong thing. Well, you could sit there and look at it and just dig a grave and fall into it. Or you could say, you know what? I've got a new 10-year education. I learned from it. And now I am marching on to the promised land. Can we get an amen today? You're not a failure until you fail to get back up. Amen. And so I'm telling you today, we have to learn from not only our mistakes, but the mistakes of others. And Joshua had 
40 years to ponder what went wrong the first time around. And now you better know he was ready to get in there this time. Don't you think 40 years would do it for you? All right. And so let's get to number two this morning. And this is what I want you to see. Number two is sometimes less is more. Sometimes less is more. Now, there are times when you want lots of opinions and voices, and we know the scripture even tells us in the multitude of counselors, there's great wisdom, and that's referring to godly people, obviously. But I know this much, when it's time to enter the promised land, and when it's time to fight the enemy, you don't need everybody's opinion. Have you found that out today? Have you ever learned that? That, that I need some input. I, uh, I value some, uh, you know, uh, opinion from others, but sometimes man, when the rubber meets the road, when it's time to fight and, and, and I've got people wanting to tell me what to do and they're not warriors. I don't want their opinion. I don't. I, I want somebody that has been in the trenches and fought and won. I want somebody that is a voice of Faith. I don't need a bunch of fearful, negative people telling me how to get into the promised land because they've never been and they'll never get there. And I don't need that in my life. And that may sound mean, that may sound harsh, but I'm not willing to wander for 40 years because I took a bunch of bad advice from a bunch of scared people. I want in there. I want in to the promised land. I want to get in to everything that God has for me. I heard a story this week from another pastor. Uh, he's a famous pastor, but he was telling the story of how... Uh, there was a NASCAR driver that was a member of his church and I'm not, I don't personally watch NASCAR, but I know people that do. Amen. And so if you do good for you, uh, Irma, you watch NASCAR. Am I right? Okay. Dave does. Okay. We've got a NASCAR fan in the church. Let's hear it for NASCAR. I went to the Indy 500 once. That was neat. But, uh, but, but uh, so anyway, the, this NASCAR driver invited the pastor and his family to come watch the race. He's like, you guys will love it. You know, just come. You'll be my personal guest. And so he brings the wife and kids and they get there and, and the crew chief, you know, he's like, you guys are VIP today. And he gives all of them the, the headset, uh, with the little microphone where you can hear what the, the crew is saying and, and what the, the coach or whatever they call him is saying to the driver. And, and it was a really cool experience, he said. But he said the whole race, his five-year-old daughter has the, the, the headphones and she's yelling into the microphone, telling the driver what to do. Do this, do that. And, and she thinks that she's coaching this guy to victory. Well, the truth of the matter is her microphone wasn't on and, and, and the, the driver, of course, couldn't hear her. But the pastor said, as I was sitting there just thinking about this, you know, here's this guy that's, that he, he's going, he's doing the race and everything. But I looked this up. There's about 30 uh, crew members on the team that day uh, for the driver, but only like two or three guys can actually talk to the driver. He, they narrow it down from 30 to about two voices. Why is that? Can you imagine 30 people when you're driving 200 miles an hour, dodging in and out, saying, turn left, turn left, turn left, turn that's all I would notice today, because that's what it looks like they're doing to me. But but what if you're like, no, go there. And, and, and what if there was 30 voices? One of them was a five-year-old girl. One of them was a drunk redneck up in the top stands. One of them, I mean, just everything. Ah! And uh, wouldn't it just be crazy? 
You'd wreck. It would be nuts. Nobody would go that rate of speed and have 30 people, let alone 100,000 fans in the stands, giving you instructions. Yet some of us are racing life at full speed. You are in the zone right now. You're going 200 miles an hour. You've got your kids. You've got work. You've got church. You're just hitting it. Why would you want everybody telling you exactly what to do? I don't want that. I'd go crazy. I'd wreck. It would be insanity. And so... In your life, we love everybody. We value everybody. But when things are really going, I don't need everybody's opinion. I need to narrow it down to the Lord and maybe a couple of really godly people. And I value everybody. It's not a put down on them. But if everybody's telling me this thing and then that thing and then go this way and go that way, I'm going to wreck. And I've seen it. And it is not pretty when you're going fast how many of you uh, just you don't really raise your hand but just think to yourself do you feel like you're in that zone of life right now where you've it's it's awesome you've hit your stride i mean the kids are doing good the family's doing good work's doing good church is doing good it's great but you're going at a very high rate of speed in your life right now you've got to find some balance you have to, or you'll be out of control. You know, earlier this summer, we were up at one of our favorite places, a place called Hume Lake up in the Sequoia National Forest. We go there every summer, and and it's awesome. Uh, and when we go there, uh, they're having uh, church summer camps come in. And so it's one of the most beautiful places in the world, but there's literally like thousands of teenagers in this little town up in the mountains. And and so we were sitting at the general store in, uh, in the truck, and... And I'm waiting on the kids to come out. And there's a hill where all the campers' cabins are. I see this teenage girl coming down the hill fast. I mean, on a skateboard. She's on a skateboard. And I mean, I don't know how fast she was going, but she was going the fastest I've ever seen somebody go on a skateboard. And I look over at Kate. I'm like, oh my gosh, what's going on? And then I see her wobbling. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Then I hear a thud. She, I know, this isn't a joke. This is a true story. This teenage girl, probably 15, I mean, she must have been going like 30 miles an hour on a skateboard. She drills a gas pump, flips head over heels, and lands in the middle of the road. I mean, I got out of the truck, and I ran out there. And, you know, I was, like, trying to pick her up. Like, are you okay, young lady? And and I grabbed her skateboard, and, and she's like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm good. And she was fine. I'm like, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I mean, that was, it was, it scared me, man. I, I didn't know what I was going to find there on the road, but, but she was fine. She just got up and walked away. I was like, all right. (laughs) But, but I got a picture, okay? As she was coming down this hill, like, I'm estimating like 30 miles an hour on a skateboard. And when you're going that fast, man, it's fun. It's, it's cool. But I saw her start wobbling. She lost balance at a high rate of speed. And now somebody that's not doing a lot in life, someone that's not doing much for the Lord or, or, you know, I'm not making fun, but you're not, you know, you're not doing a whole lot. You're just kind of, you know, bumbling through life. Okay. Uh, you know, 
You may lose balance going two miles an hour like I would be on a skateboard. You may fall, but chances are you can catch yourself and, you know, whatever. But if you are in your stride, in your prime, and you are just, you know, going full speed ahead, you got to keep balance. You better know where you're going because even a pebble can send you flipping, man, and absolutely have a wipeout. And so... These guys here, man, they were in the zone. They were, I, they were, they were rocking and rolling, getting ready to go into the promised land, full speed ahead. But you've got to stay balanced. And I, I'm telling you, you will not do that if your eyes are not on Jesus. You won't do it. You know, you've got to keep your eyes on Jesus. And so this pastor asked this famous NASCAR driver, he's like, well, aren't you afraid you're going to hit the wall? I mean, doesn't that scare you? And he's like, if you drive focused on the wall, guess what happens? You hit the wall. I don't drive focused on the wall. I drive with a focus on winning. And I don't hit the wall. I, I, I win. And this guy wins all the time, I found out. I had to look him up. But anyway, so he wins all the time. And so in our lives, you know, Hey, you may be right there. Things may be rocking and rolling. And we're aware, yeah, there's a wall there. If I hit it at 200 miles an hour, it's probably going to leave a mark. I know that much. I'm aware of the danger, but I'm not focused on the danger. I'm focused on the Lord, and I'm focused on the promised land. Is anybody with me this morning? Do you see what we're talking about today? Amen? And so sometimes in our life, when we're getting there, less sometimes is more. And sometimes we're even, you know, be listening to well-meaning people. There's good people. They've got right hearts, but we just don't need everybody's voice all the time. And sometimes you may even have experts. Anybody, uh, you know, ever hear about the experts that they, they know everything. And, 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 uh, and sometimes even the experts have been wrong before. I, I have found that out. Uh, let's look at Ecclesiastes chapter seven. We're coming back to Joshua. So keep your spot, but Ecclesiastes seven. And so sometimes even the experts are wrong. I, I, I was reading about um, the DECA recording company back in 1962 had a new band tryout for them. And here was their written remarks about this band. They said, we don't like their sound and guitar music is on the way out. Well, that band was the Beatles. They passed, the experts passed them over and were like, no, these, they're, they're nothing. They ended up being like the biggest band of all time, right? Uh, one of my other favorite examples of the experts is, uh, is back in the 1800s, 1876, Western Union Telegraph Company had a new invention presented to them called the telephone. And Western Union wrote down in their uh, memo that uh, this telephone has too many shortcomings to be seriously considered as a means of communication. This advice is of no value. Well, the telephone patent has gone down in history as the single most valuable patent in the history of the world. And they passed over it because they were the experts. And like, this thing's a joke. It's for kids. And so, listen... Sometimes in your life, maybe the experts are like, no, you can't do that. Don't even try that. Don't even try to, to, to go that way. Don't even try to do that. Well, the experts may say that, but I've narrowed it down to listening to God. Amen. And a few godly 
people. And so Ecclesiastes 7 and verse 19 says, One wise person is stronger than ten leading citizens of a town. Amen? One wise person. Who knows that uh, there's a difference between a wise person and somebody that's just got some knowledge. Wisdom and knowledge aren't the same thing. The book of Proverbs clearly defines this all throughout the book of Proverbs. And so there may be somebody that is knowledgeable about something. There may be an intelligent person. That does not mean that they're wise. Wisdom comes from God. And so, you know, somebody uh, may not have the highest education in the world, but they've got wisdom from God. I will take wisdom over some prideful intellect any day of the week. Wisdom comes from God. The Message Bible says it this way. Wisdom puts more strength in one wise person than ten strong men give to a city. And so wisdom is better than might. It is better than all the big numbers. Wisdom. It just takes having the right wise people. So let's flip back to Joshua chapter 2. Are you still with me this morning? Joshua chapter 2. Amen. And here shortly, we're going to be taking communion together to close things out today. But Joshua chapter two, and we're going to look at verses 23 and 24. Joshua chapter two, verses 23 and 24. And so we're going to take a look at what these two spies reported back to Joshua. And if you read all of Joshua chapter two, you see that they actually got chased And they had to hide for three days uh, because men were after them. But after all that, this is their report when they get back to Joshua. You think they'd come back and be like, yeah, it's beautiful in there, but there's enemies. There's giants. And we could never take it. They literally chased us. Uh, it's, It's bad, Joshua. We just want to tell you the truth. But let's see what their actual report was. It says, Then the two spies came down from the hill country, crossed the Jordan River, and reported to Joshua all that had happened to them. Here's what they said. The Lord has given us the whole land, they said, for all the people in the land are terrified of us. Look at this. What? You just got chased. You just, I mean, look at this. And if you go back to Numbers 13 to look at it, those 12 spies, when they went in, nobody chased them. Nobody threatened them. All they got to see was a beautiful land with big grapes and big pomegranates, the land flowing with milk and honey. Nobody chased them around and they come back and say, We'll never get in. It's awful. You wouldn't believe it in there. And then these guys come back after getting chased for three days. And they're like, oh, man, let's go now. We've got this in the bag. Not just Jericho. The whole land is ours. Who do you want on your side? Dude, I'll take those two guys over a million other people any day of the week. Sometimes less is more. And maybe you came and now you've given your life to Jesus. Like so many, we have so many newer Christians in the church. Maybe you finally committed to Jesus. And before 
You had a whole group of friends. You had, I mean, you could go and you just had this whole wide circle. And now you're in here serving God. And that circle has gotten smaller. Like, hey, I used to be so popular. Hey, blah, 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 blah. And now that I, where are they all at? I would rather take this small group you have now and fight the enemy and cross the Jordan than all the million drunk friends you used to have. I found that out. I'd rather, man, you didn't need them. They need Jesus. Thank God. And in Jesus name, they'll receive him. But I'm telling you right now, you're better off now. Don't live with regrets and say, I used to be popular. I used to be this. Yeah, you used to be going to hell too. How about that? Now you're going to heaven. So uh, let's just throw that into the equation. All right. And so I love the attitude. This time around, Joshua picked the right two guys. This is incredible. And so I'm challenging you today. This is on your outline to keep your eyes on Jesus and keep your eyes on the prize. Amen. God's put something in your heart. Anybody, and I hope I see some hands on this, that God, you've got a dream from God about what you want in your life. That's not wrong. That, that's, that's not a bad thing. If you don't have any goals or any dreams or any vision for where you want to be, that's not a good spot to be in. You need to be dreaming. You need to be having vision and goals and, and things that you want to see happening in your future still. And so in life, my eyes stick on Jesus. Well, how do they do that? Well, you keep your eyes on the word of God. John 1 verse 1, Jesus is the word. And so you keep your eyes on Jesus and you keep your eyes on that prize, on that promised land. And whenever you just lose sight of any of this, you're going nowhere. It's 40 years of wandering before you die off. And that sounds like a terrible thing to say, but that's what happened to this previous generation. And I want to show you one last passage today in the New Testament. 1 Corinthians 9, verses 24 through 27. 1 Corinthians 9, verses 24 through 27. Are we learning anything from the Word of God today? Do we have anybody that's got some dreams and some vision from God today? Oh my gosh. Wow. All right. (laughs) I hope in Midtown, they've got more excitement than you people do. (laughs) Listen, is there anybody that's got some vision and some dreams and some goals for your life today? Come on, man. Be excited about life. Amen. Be excited for the things of God. What a future. It's bright. Just write this verse down and read it on your own time. Ephesians 3.20. Ephesians 3.20. And so, 1 Corinthians 9, and we're going to look here at verses 24 through 27. 1 Corinthians 9, verses 24 through 27. And so, uh, we've kind of been talking about the race thing for a minute, referring to a NASCAR, uh, a car race. But here we have the Apostle Paul putting it in, you know, to an athlete running a race. And that is a picture of our life. And so 1 Corinthians 9, and we're going to look here, uh, starting at verse 24. It says, don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. So run to win. Amen. If I'm going to just go run a race someday, which currently is not on the forecast for me, but if I were, listen, 
I wouldn't just be out there to say, yeah, I showed up. I mean, I'd be there to win, right? Especially if it was, you know, a sprint or a, you know, something like that. Like, I've got better things to do than to just, you know, no. Listen, if I'm running, I'm running to win. And if I'm going to live life on planet Earth, I'm going to live life to win. I don't want to just exist and suck in air down here for 40 years and say, oh, I made it. No, I want to win. I want to do what the Lord put me on this planet to do. We've got to have some vision. And so look at verse 25. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. But we do it for an eternal prize. You know that. That this race we're running, there's there's a prize, but it's an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. And so uh, this whole thing right here, Paul is saying, man, I'm running to win. I'm training myself. I'm disciplining myself. I'm preparing myself. And so you may not be in your promised land just yet, but you better be preparing for your promised land. Do you know that? You better be prepping for it and getting yourself ready. You are training. Who's in training right now? Come on. You're training for reigning somebody. Amen. You're schooling for ruling. Come on. Yeah. You want to be in charge, right? You want to do what God told you to do. And so the best athletes, the best, they know how to ignore distractions. And so I'm going to tell one final story, then we're going to communion. But uh, I've been to a lot of NBA games. I don't know how many, but a lot. And so one time, long time ago, I took my little brother uh, to, to see the Boston Celtics play the Indiana Pacers. And so we get there really early, and I don't even know. We, we just got there super early this time. And, and we get out there. And there's a basketball player named Paul Pierce, who we couldn't stand, down there on the court, okay? <laughs> so, and I don't, I don't know, we've never been there. And there's hardly anybody in there yet. He's just in his sweats, shooting shots and everything. But my loudmouth little brother, just I mean, he just starts letting him have it. Of course, we're up in the nosebleeds because we were poor. But we're, we're, he's yelling, at, Paul, you stink, boo! And he's yelling and heckling and everything. And I'm like, surely... This has got to get annoying, right? It's annoying me. And I paid for his ticket. But he's just yelling and, and everything. And here we have this $100 million athlete just shooting his shots, ignoring everything. He maybe glanced up there. He's just ignoring, fading it all out. Why? Because the best, and I don't like this guy, but the best, <laughs> they've learned how to tune out annoying little distractions some of you are on your way to the promised land. Someone annoys you and it ruins your whole day. And you're going to go face giants. And you can't take somebody at work having a bad attitude, being annoying. And you're going to go face Goliath. And so 
getting into the game, amen, uh, there's been other games where I was blessed to sit courtside. One game in particular, we were sitting right behind one of the baskets. And so they give everybody these balloons to wave. You're allowed to wave. You're allowed to say nearly everything. I've heard some interesting things down there. Some things cross the line. But anyway, so, you know, and here's the thing. This $100 million athletes, they can tune out annoying little kids. And then when they're shooting free throws, people are waving things, yelling things, throwing things in the air, making noise, everything. And this same guy, boom, 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 just drills him nonstop. Why is that? Because the best, I'm, I'm not talking about, you know, me playing high school basketball. I'm talking about the best, the people that really get there, the people that really make it. They, at an incredible level, have learned to focus Eyes on Jesus, eyes on the prize. You could be yelling insults right here. You could be waving things, throwing confetti in the air, insulting their mom. You could be doing anything. And what do they do? They just straight out ignore it and do what they do. Do you? I'm not, this isn't a bad question. Do you want to be the best at what you do? Do you want to be what God called you to be? Do you want to go where he told you to go. You've got to keep your eyes on Jesus and your eyes on the prize. Learn from the past. Sometimes less is more. You don't need everybody's voice and opinion, but lock in on what it is that God's called you to. Lock in on that promised land. Ignore the haters. Sometimes you ignore the fans too. Ignore it all. Eyes on the prize and watch where Jesus will take you. Amen. All right, we're going to go ahead and close things down today. Let's go ahead and stand up together this morning. Amen. Hallelujah. Who knows the Lord is good? Well, we're getting ready to, to move into our communion time. And, and if you know if you know me, if you know High Desert Word Center, this is a holy time to us. Um, we have a lot of fun. We joke around and say stupid things a lot. But when it comes to communion and praying for people, that's when we don't joke around or say stupid things. And so um, I want to give us a chance today, though, uh, as we come forward and receive these communion elements. You don't have to be a member of High Desert Word Center to take communion with us. But you do need to be a member of the family of God. You do need to have Jesus in your heart as your Lord and Savior. And so I want to lead you in a prayer today and give you that opportunity. And uh, if you're here and you've maybe you've just never really uh, had a relationship with the Lord, that can happen today. Or maybe you're here and you did at one point, but you kind of let go and you walked away. We can fix that today. It doesn't have to stay that way. And so I, I, I do, I want to lead you in a prayer this morning and my heart's desire. If, if you didn't get anything else today, uh, you know, whatever, but get this, you have to have Jesus in your heart. There's no other way to get into heaven than to receive Jesus because you will stand before God someday. Everybody will. And if you didn't let Jesus pay the price for your sins, if you didn't receive that, then you're going to have to pay your own price. You're going to have to try to atone for yourself and you're not going to be able to. 
You know, all of our righteousness, the book of Isaiah says, it's like filthy rags. We can stand before God and say, I know I never went through Jesus, but I'm going to try to get in through myself now. And I fed like a thousand homeless people. I donated to the Red Cross. I did this. I did that. You could throw all of your best good deeds out before God and our best stuff. It's just like a bunch of filthy rags. There's only one way to heaven and everybody. One door. And it's through Jesus. Romans 10, 13 says that anybody who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so I'm going to give us that chance today and, uh, and, and, and give you that you will never have a better chance than this. In fact, Joshua said in Joshua 24, 15, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. A lot of people are like, I'll, I'll get around to it. I'll, I'll, I'll make that decision. Someday, this is not one of those decisions that you put off. You choose today. And so I want to lead us in a prayer and then we're going to take communion together. Can we bow our heads and close our eyes? Let's say this together. Father, in Jesus' name, I believe in your son, Jesus. I believe that he died, that he rose again. Jesus, forgive me for anything wrong I've done. I promise to live for you. Give me the strength. My life is yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Can we give the Lord some praise today? Now, here in a few minutes after we receive communion, uh, I'm going to invite you. We're going to have a whole team of people up here praying for for others. Uh, you come up and let one of us know if today was your day to get things right with the Lord. And we want to set you up with a mentor, with a spiritual personal trainer for the next 30 days that'll work with you, pray with you, be there for you. And, uh, and it's just a very important step. Amen. We're going to go ahead and start dismissing the rows to come up and receive communion. So get the communion elements and then make your way back to your spots. I don't care if you want to stay at the altar and receive communion, uh, but let's take a few minutes. And again, this is a holy time. And, uh, and so I'd appreciate it if we'd respect that. Amen. Pastor Josh, go ahead and lead us in some worship. the highest your name is the greatest your name stands above them all all thrones and dominions all powers and positions your name stands above them all your name is the highest your name is the greatest your name stands above them all all thrones and dominions all powers and positions your name stands above them all and the angels cry Holy, all creation cries. Holy, you are lifted high. Holy, all 
Jesus. Well, we're going to take a minute here. I'm going to read a few verses out of 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And, uh, and, and you know, you're familiar with this if you've been here very long, but it's so important that we take this opportunity any chance we get. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 27 says, So anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Now, I, I, man, I don't want to sin against anybody ever, but I especially do not want to disrespect and sin against the body and the blood of the Lord. Uh, the book of Hebrews has some really serious warnings about that, uh, but we'll continue here. Verse 28 says, that is why you should examine yourself or judge yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. For if you eat the bread or drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. That is why many of you are weak and sick and some have even died. But if we would examine ourselves, we would not be judged by God in this way. And so this is one of those moments where God gives us the opportunity to judge ourselves and deal deal with it ourselves, take care of it. And so I'm encouraging you that we're going to take a minute here to examine our own life. Don't examine anybody else's life. That is not your business. Examine your life. And if the Lord's dealing with you on some things, you know, you, you need to deal with that. You need to talk to him. Amen. If we need to repent, we need to repent. If God's saying, hey, I've been telling you to do this, but you're not doing it. Uh, you know, maybe that's a, a thing that we need to look at. But either way, we're going to give you a minute here today to talk to the Lord, do business with God. Amen. And uh, examine ourselves. Let's go. Corinthians 11, verse 23. For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this to remember me. And so we take this today and we understand that this represents the body of Jesus Christ that was broken for us. Thank you, Jesus, for taking on the cross. We love you.
And in the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. And so we take this today and we understand that it represents the blood of Jesus that paid the price for our sins. Blood had to be shed to pay for sin. And it wasn't ours, it was Jesus. And so thank you, Jesus, for shedding your blood. Amen. Isn't the Lord good this morning? Hallelujah. We love him. I'm going to have my prayer team come on up today. And if you're here and you need prayer for anything, we want to pray for you. And I encourage you, to, if you don't need prayer, this isn't your chance to hit the doors and beat everybody else to the restaurant. This is your chance to uh, to pray for those that do need prayer or to just be where you're at and worship God. Amen. But there's people that come up here that they face some very real issues, some very serious situations. And they're really counting on being in a room full of faith uh, when they come up to get prayer. And so I just, I want to, I want to challenge us as a church. I do this nearly every week now, but challenge you that uh, let's, let's be there for our brothers and sisters. Have their back when they're up here getting prayer. Amen. All right, let's go. Let's, let's, uh, let's receive prayer if you need it. If not, worship God for a few minutes. Amen. See 
down here today. Amen. Uh, praise God. Well, we had a good service today. Who received from the Lord today? Amen. 
Amen. We're going to be getting a little bit deeper into Joshua over the next couple weeks. So be ready to learn. Be ready for your faith to get stronger and stronger. All right. They're going to be doing some nachos outside the front door there. And uh, and all of that is for Harvest Fest. All of that money is helping us get to uh, reach the goal for Harvest Fest. We've got service tonight at 6 o'clock. Uh, Pastor's going to be talking more about God's plan for your finances. And I know it's going to be absolutely awesome awesome. And next Saturday, men's meeting and worship night over at the Midtown Chapel location. Amen. And so we want to see everybody there. Hallelujah. Well, let's go ahead and close in prayer and then we'll do our Barstow Faith Confession. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, for what we've seen in the word of God. And Lord, we know that just like Joshua, uh, that we can learn from the past and we can say we're not going to make that mistake again. And we thank you, Jesus, that there are times where we have to uh, say less is more. And we just got to focus on you and on uh, the team that you put with us, God. But we know that the best is yet to come. There is a promised land for everybody here, Lord, and we are marching on into that because of your goodness and grace. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, can everybody say amen? Amen. All right. Let's speak some faith over Barstow today. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved. In Jesus' name, amen.